What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 302 of the Smart Out Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I am your host, Tony Mango, and this is the Hot Tags edition of the week, where I'll be breaking down some of the rumors, current events, gossip, news, scuttlebutt, and everything else that's happening in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment and pop culture and all of those kind of different avenues that all tie in together from the past couple of days. And out of all of those... I gotta say, this has been a slow-ass week. Not many things going on, and I actually tried to drag this out as long as I could to hope that maybe some extra stories would pop up, like Friday afternoon or so. And it's about 4 o'clock right now, Friday afternoon, when I'm starting to record this, and we got, like, almost nothing. So, unfortunately, it's not gonna be a really, really long one. It's certainly gonna be shorter than it was last week, not only because it's a solo edition, but because there just really isn't all that much to talk about, and the stories that there are to talk about aren't really all that interesting, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, there are some things uh, that you should be aware of, and just a little bit of discussion here and there and stuff. And so what if we have a quick 15-minute edition or something like that, right? Maybe even less than that. I don't really know. I cut into breezing through this, but... Um, let's talk about some of the stuff anyway. Uh, some of the stuff obviously dates back to around like last Friday, a little bit more so than necessarily like yesterday or today or so, but, uh, you know, we're scrounging for topics here, which probably means that about an hour after I post this, we're going to get hit with a bunch of different news and it's going to be like, I don't know, Saturday afternoon, we'll by, by that time or something, we're going to end up having like a full hot tags edition that we could do. But we'll see. Um, first things first, just a real quick thing to get out of the way. The fake Miss Elizabeth that was out for Dolph Ziggler's promo, apparently that is Stephanie Dinsmore, who is Nick Dinsmore, Eugene, uh, his wife. So, hey, kind of interesting. On the unfortunate but interesting uh, topic, Hurricane Irma hit and... Devastated a good portion of, like, the whole coast around that side and the sections of Florida and the Bahamas and whatever like that, the Caribbean. Uh, there haven't really been many news stories that I was aware of as far as WWE-related stuff to it. But one of them was that Lacey Evans lost a lot of different things. She, like, her home got ransacked, essentially. So that sucks, and obviously... Uh, condolences go out to her and her family for having to deal with all that crap. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't seem like it was anywhere near as bad as it could have been. I mean, a lot of people talking about Category 5 hurricane stuff, and, you know, uh, that's been one of the main stories of the week when it comes to a lot of different things. And I was actually kind of anticipating that we could have heard that, like, you know, a couple different uh, wrestlers were, like, trapped with no... Uh, power and stuff, or that the performance center got ruined, or whatever, and that actually got me thinking of something, and this isn't something that I'm even including into the hot tags uh, necessarily, but I'm just going to branch off on a random topic here, because I got time to kill, why not? With the whole idea of Florida being as susceptible to these kind of things as possible, what do you guys think about the idea that it might be a bad idea to have a Hall of Fame in Florida? Generally speaking, Hurricanes and stuff like that happen enough that all it takes is one of them, and you can lose all that stuff forever. You know, the history of WWE encapsulated in these 
uh, memorabilia and, you know, different things like that, it could just be gone. And obviously that's nowhere near as important as, like, the lives that would be lost and the people that would be homeless afterward and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. I'm not going to, you know, downplay that kind of idea and talk about how, like, wrestling is more important or something like that because it totally isn't. But just in theory, I mean, the Performance Center works perfectly in Florida, but that's stuff that can be kind of replaced because it doesn't have necessarily sentimental value. You know, you can have a bunch of gym equipment shipped from another area and nobody's going to give a shit that it's a dumbbell from a different location and not the original one that was in the performance center. But that is something that popped in my mind about this hurricane. It was just, if we had a physical hall of fame and that's where you kept like, you know, Andre the Giants ring gear and stuff like that, that could be lost. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of bad to think about. Uh, Lacey Evans, though, she's going to be dealing with that, so I would not expect to see her anytime soon on tapings and such, but she might still pop up. I don't know. She did a good performance at the May Young Classic, and she's already signed to the company, and she's got a lot of an upside to her, so if she gets that all sorted out well enough, who knows? Maybe she gets a little bit of a push out of it. Not to say that that's like a good thing to be like, let's turn a turn this frown upside down kind of a thing or something like that. But, uh, you know, they could see her resolve and they can pity her, I guess, in a certain way. And that might result in a little bit of a push. Uh, yeah, that wasn't really included in the hot tags, but hey, it got me like five minutes, right? <laughs> uh, let's continue talking a little bit more about it. Some NXT stuff, though. Uh, Liv Morgan, NXT women's uh, division star, has broken up with Enzo Amore. And they're seems to be some indication that she's dating Tyler Bate now, which makes a little bit of sense. Uh, I think that they might be a little bit closer in age. Now that i got to look that up, uh, Liv Morgan, let's see how old she is. She is 23, and Tyler Bate is 20. And Enzo Amore, he's probably like 31, 32, or something like that. He is 30. So, yeah, they're a little bit closer in age. Um, that might attribute part of it to it, but the biggest factor seems to be all this stuff about Enzo Mori with the strippers and uh, Liv Morgan was tweeting out some stuff or posting stuff on Instagram. I can't fucking remember. Who cares? That, uh, you know, it's like I'm not going to get cheated on anymore and, you know, different things like that. So I'm assuming that this is basically Enzo kicked to the curb and Tyler Bates swooping in and just being like, yo, been waiting, that kind of a thing, because it happens. It happens to everybody. And there was something about, like, he uh, he tweeted out to her, like, I like your face or something like that, which is sort of weird. Uh, but that's something that is a little bit interesting in a way that I actually think many people probably aren't considering, which if Liv Morgan gets brought up to the main roster anytime soon, would she go to Raw or would she go to SmackDown? Because something with WWE that isn't necessarily like a mandatory thing, but it's something that they try to do is if people are dating, they usually try to keep them on the same show where, you know, especially if they're husband and wife, Renee Young and Dean Ambrose were both on SmackDown. Dean Ambrose goes over to Raw. Renee Young goes over to Raw. Naomi and Jimmy Uso are on SmackDown. Nikki Bella and John Cena were. Nikki Bella hasn't been a part of SmackDown for a while, so it's okay for John Cena to be a part of Raw. And, you know, you can kind of see some trends when it comes to that stuff. Liv Morgan not being with Enzo means she has no tie to that. And they were just dating. They weren't engaged or anything like that. So they could have just said, fuck you, you go to SmackDown anyway. 
But that's what happened with Carmella and Big Cass. And I still think when Big Cass comes back, he's going to SmackDown. But that's another story for another day. And that's, I don't know, nine months out of the way or ten months or a year or two years or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I think that this is a possible indication. Very, very minor, but it's something to keep in mind that if we get a call up from different people, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Ember Moon, Liv Morgan and such, if they are going to be called up soon to make room for the Mae Young Classic competitors, I think Liv Morgan could end up potentially going over to uh, SmackDown. Something to think about. Uh, another NXT thing to talk about here, we did a bunch of tapings. Or we did. Yeah, I was a big part of it. You know, I, I uh, put the ring together. I wrestled a couple times. <laughs> no, they had a bunch of tapings last night for NXT, and we got some information about some of the possibilities of where they're going to go in the future and such. Uh, we know the stable name for Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, and it's the Undisputed Era, which I hate. I think it's so... Stupid. That sounds to me like a tagline for like a WWE uh, collection. Like, I, like the, I don't know, when Chris Jericho won the Undisputed Championship and then it's like, well, the Undisputed Era has begun. That's not a stable name. The stables are like the Shield, the Four Horsemen. Uh... I don't really like the name New Day or the name Legacy because that's a little bit kind of uh, off them. Evolution made sense to me. It's a little bit more, uh, you know, like uh, fancier. I, I like when it's more so like we're the Road Warriors. We are, you know, like th those names where it's like we're a group of people. We're Demolition, that kind of stuff. The Undisputed Era? Huh? What are you undisputed about? You're an era? You're not an era. You're three fucking dudes. Right now you're four. Because another part of it is that Tainara Conti is a part of the Undisputed Era. She came out and she interfered in what was one of what the qualifying matches for now that we know the future of what's going to happen with the NXT women's division. Kyrie Sane is going to be one of the four competitors for what is uh, a fatal four-way, of course at NXT TakeOver Houston. Uh, Kyrie Sane, and if you don't want to know who the other people were, then, I don't know, skip forward a few minutes or so, but they had a couple qualifying matches. Ember Moon was another one of them that qualified, and Peyton Royce was another one. So we actually can rule out a bunch of different people because there's Nikki Cross, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, uh, who was the other one? Sonya Deville. They lost, and conspicuously absent is Billy Kay. But we don't have a match yet for Tanaira Conti, and if she is going to be a part of this new fold of the Undisputed Era, it's a possibility that she is one of those four. They could have, like, Tanaira Conti and Billy Kay and, I don't know, Mandy Rose or so, all competing for that last spot, and then Billy Kay wins or something. But they might not go with Billy Kay because it would be weird for Peyton Royce and Billy Kay to be in the same match. They've done it before, but you know what I mean. Uh... We do know, though, that that is what's going to happen. And we know that there's a situation with uh, Ruby Riot where she possibly has been injured at the NXT takings. She landed a little bit weird on her ankle and 
it's a possibility that she like broke her ankle, sprained her ankle, something like that. Could have just been for the tapings. Uh, there hasn't been any like full on confirmation about it, but a lot of people said that she looks a little bit like you know she was kind of like limping and she got needed help backstage and stuff like that. So that's something to take into account for the future too, because I thought Ruby Riot was one of the few people that could potentially be coming up to the main roster. Not that I necessarily want her to. Same thing for Nikki Cross, but they do seem to have a little bit more steam to them than like an Aaliyah. Aaliyah, she was one of the ones that got uh, taken out of the mix too, I think. Huh. I don't remember who it was. Uh, it doesn't really matter. The point was Ember Moon and Kyrie Sane and Peyton Royce are three of the four people that are going to be competing for that vacant NXT Women's Championship. Tyna Arconti, possibility for another one. Billy Kay, possibility for another one. Maybe some other people from the Mae Young Classic like uh, Jazzy Gabert or something like that. But I would assume that no Mae Young Classic competitors are going to be in that because it would seem a little bit weird that Kyrie Sane gets in and the other ones have to... Well, yeah, actually, no, that doesn't that doesn't seem too weird. They would have... If they did a good enough job in the, the Mae Young Classic tournament to earn themselves a chance to qualify, that makes sense. Kyrie Sane, she won the tournament, so she automatically gets in there. But we'll see about that. Uh, the Ruby Riot injury, I don't think it's going to be that big of a factor overall because I think that going forward, they probably are going to have an influx of talent for Mae Young Classic uh, competitors. And I don't think that she would be coming up to the main roster necessarily either. So I do think if it, she was going to be getting some kind of an injury, now is probably as good of a time as any. But we'll see about that too. Uh, unfortunately, we also have another possible injury report of Kofi Kingston at a house show, maybe a knee injury. And as far as I know, Xavier Woods has not been cleared to compete yet, but he might have been. He might be. I don't really know for sure about that. The good thing about the New Day is if they have an injury to one person, they have another person back up, unless, of course, Xavier Woods is unable to do that. And we're not going to have, or at least we don't have to, have a match until... TLC at, or not TLC, Hell in a Cell on October 8th. So if they are going to be continuing this whole thing with the Usos, which I assume is probably going to be happening because WWE doesn't seem to want to invest too much time in anything else. And it's way too easy to just have title changes and do rematch clause storylines and stuff. Uh, I assume that it's a possibility that they can go for a Hell in a Cell match, but if they do that, you got to make sure you've got at least two people that are healthy enough to be able to pull that off. If Xavier Woods is not able to pull that off, then they might need to go some other kind of different route. But I think that it's a bad timing for Kofi Kingston's injury, and if they need to figure out a way around it, it it's going to hurt Hell in a Cell at least a little bit, but it won't be the end of the world either because it's sort of, hate to be like a, a downer about it, but it sort of seems like they don't really care too much about SmackDown pay-per-views. Like they don't build them the same as they do with the Raw ones and that they've already kind of gotten into that, the swing of things where it's like, well, Raw's three hours and that's the main one and SmackDown's like your backup plan. And that sucks because I'm getting the feeling with Hell in a Cell that it's a one-match card, and it's Shane versus Kevin Owens, and we'll talk about that in a minute or so. So uh, that that's kind of disappointing to see because Shinsuke Nakamura and Jinder Mahal just has nothing going for it. Uh, 
Baron Corbin and AJ Styles, that could be kind of interesting, but that's sort of on the back burner. Like, you can tell that that's just not a pri- as much of a priority as it could have potentially been. Actually, to me, that could have been, you know, the main event feud and the mid-card title should have been switched around and all that stuff, but I've talked about that a bunch of different times. Um, so the tag title situation, it's like, kind of like the women's title situation. I, I feel like they don't even know what they want to do yet, and they're going to have to scramble over the next two weeks to figure it out. So if we start seeing some alternatives to the New Day versus the Usos, maybe with the Hype Bros, maybe with uh, Brizongo or something, then that might be an indication that Kofi is actually injured and that they don't want to really have the New Day wrestle all that much. There's a little bit of an early word about Paige's uh, film that's coming out, her biopic about the whole story behind her becoming a wrestler and growing up with her family and stuff. Fighting with my family is the name of the movie, which I, <laughs> that's so uh, hallmark lifetime sounding to me. It's kind of so obvious. It should just be like wrestling with my family too, like to just make it even more obvious. But I have no real interest in this movie overall. And the more I hear about it, the more I think it sounds awful so the report that came out about it was that it wasn't bad. And one quote said it was a paint by numbers that could have been pieced together from press releases and IMDb. That's not good, especially because it's probably from sources of people that kind of wanted to like the movie because they are wrestling fans. So if you've got people that kind of approach this the way that a WWE Studios film is, where people will be like, Oh, it's not that bad. The Marine's actually a pretty good movie. I guarantee you it isn't. I haven't seen it, but I guarantee you no WWE Studios movies are quote-unquote good movies. They could be serviceable action flicks, or they could be, you know, something to put on in the background or whatever like that, but they're not going to be good movies. They're not going to be something that the Academy is going to be recognizing in any capacity, and the same thing is going to be for this one, too. It's not going to be some movie where you start hearing... Lena Headey is, oh man, she's so captivating as uh, Paige's mom that she's going to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. It's not going to happen. So if you go into it, I'm assuming, with the assumption that it's at best going to be serviceable, then you probably would think, well, it's not that bad. But I haven't seen the movie. I probably won't see the movie. And... If I do see the movie and I like it or I hate it, of course, I'll be giving it some kind of a review or maybe maybe even doing a smart announce table for it or something like that. But uh, the early word being just like, it's all right, I guess, that's not good. So I would not go into this movie expecting it to be something that's going to really be all that amazing. And uh, even though it's got The Rock and stuff in it and... You know, Thea Trinidad plays A.J. Lee and stuff, and there could be some things that are kind of interesting. Vince Vaughn uh, is in the movie. It still just doesn't seem like it's that rousing of an endorsement. So, I don't know, I guess check Rotten Tomatoes in a little bit, see if it's like a 13% score or something. Um, Maybe not, I don't know. Last thing for us to talk about, though, is the speculation and possible confirmation that Vince McMahon wasn't, busted open the hard way when they did that whole thing with Kevin Owens, but that he bladed ahead of time. 
And the reports that are going around about this is that he had a small insertion of a blade job that they covered over with some kind of adhesive glue and that they would know that this obviously would happen because this is something that they pre-planned ahead of time where all Kevin Owens would need to do is basically just break open that seal and Vince McMahon would start bleeding. So they accomplished this if that was the goal. Vince McMahon was bleeding. It made it look like it was much more heavy of a headbutt than what would have happened if he wouldn't have. But a lot of people have been talking about this and saying, well, isn't that hypocritical because they find Batista for blading and that they frown upon blading and it's something that they really shouldn't necessarily be doing because every time that somebody starts bleeding now, whether it's like their tooth gets knocked loose or you know their, their nose gets busted or something like that, the referees immediately throw on the gloves and they can stop the match and stuff like that, but apparently that doesn't apply to Vince McMahon. So, criticism of... Should the boss be able to do stuff that he doesn't allow the employees to do? Or is he the one person that should be able to make that call? I side more on the idea of let Vince do whatever he wants to do when it comes to that stuff. Not not everything, obviously, is where the rules don't apply to Vince McMahon. You can't have him, like, you know, uh, go into an investor's meeting with a pack of steroids in front of him and just kind of being like, there you go, yeah, no, nah, I don't get uh, drug tested. But I think as far as the blade job goes, this is something that they can look into in the future where if they've already done blood tests and stuff, they know that there's no, like, hep C problems and that they can do, like, an administered blade job ahead of time where the trained staff comes out, they do that, they know exactly how it's going to go down, and they've got people ringside to be able to make sure that if there is a problem during that segment that they can address it immediately and stuff. I see no reason why you can't do this. And this should be applicable to other people too, not just Vince McMahon. They should be able to let people do this for angles once in a while if they want to build towards like WrestleMania or they want to add a little bit more zing to something on like a B-show pay-per-view or something like that. Because it does have an effect. If Vince McMahon wouldn't have been bleeding... I don't think we would have had any stories about this necessarily because it would have just been, hey, look at that. Kevin Owens did what we all assumed that he was going to be doing, and it led to the Hell in a Cell match being announced. Okay, normal storyline kind of thing. But him headbutting Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon bleeding, the blade job thing, that actually gets some traction in the stories. So I think that this is a good thing. I think that there's a possibility that you can argue that maybe... Vince shouldn't be hypocritical behind it, and if he's going to do that, then he should find himself the money and all that, but I don't think that's something that we should be complaining about. I think that we should be focusing our efforts more on other things, and this is a positive thing, so let's not take the hypocritical side of it. Let's take the positive side of it and go, well, you know what? If that is going to be a potential thing in the future, cool, and if it isn't, then it's a little bit more hypocritical. Then we can start to argue a little bit more, but we'd have to see a year from now, two years from now, however long it takes to see if there are any kind of ramifications that come out of this. If we do see blade jobs in the future coming back or if we don't. And for now, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I liked the segment overall. I think that it could have been better, could have been a lot better. And I'm not as interested in this Hell in a Cell match as WWE wants me to be at this point, but it did help. So did its job and the blade job 
did its job too. I'm saying job a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's it though for this edition of the hot tags. And we got about 20 minutes out of this. So that was pretty good, right? Um, next week, our main event is going to be the predictions for no mercy. So make sure that you guys hit that subscribe button and ring that bell to check off notifications. And that way you'll be aware of when I post that it's probably going to be Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening is probably when we're going to be recording it. So keep that in mind. Uh, by that by that point, we'll have Monday Night Raw already done and in the bag. So we're going to know pretty much all the matches are going to be taking place. And the hot tags will probably be coming next Friday or so just to kind of wrap up some other stories. And if we get any kind of new matches announced in the meantime, that could be a good way to kind of wrap that in and kind of be like, okay, well, we did our predictions, but we don't have a kickoff match yet. And then by Friday, hey, look at that. We have a kickoff match. Now we can talk about it in the hot tags. That could be a good way going forward. I'm kind of kind of liking the setup of the hot tags on Fridays again. Uh, but that's something to keep in mind. And also on the 27th or however, whatever day that we record that, uh, episode number 304 is going to be when we're going to be doing our mailbag for September. So if you have questions in mind that you would like to pick our brains about, go ahead and start sending them in now so we can get a little bit of time to kind of you know, formulate our answers and I can set up the templates and stuff like that. Uh, but you don't need to do it right now. You got a little bit of time, just something to be aware of. And I think that's it for this edition. So thanks for listening to this, everybody. Thanks for your continued support and everything like that. Next week, at the very least, we'll be talking about my thoughts on season two's premiere of WWE story time. Cause that's going to be coming up next Monday night after raw and who knows what other hot tags. But if you have any other hot tag ideas, drop them in the comments below and tell us what you think of all these hot tags. And I will try to respond to those whenever I can and stuff. And that's it now. I've said that's it maybe a couple times. But yeah. So see you later, everybody. <laughs> this has been another Smart Out moment. And I am being counted out. Ah!